This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 731 with Loria Yaden. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 731. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Loria Yaden is president and CEO at YMCA of Greater Seattle and the first woman and first person of color to serve in this role in the 146-year history of the organization. She's an electrical engineer and a patent attorney by trade and training, and she's an accomplished nonprofit and corporate executive with over 35 years of experience leading high-performing teams, managing P&Ls, and serving her community. She champions and advocates for equity and justice for all, especially youth and families in underserved communities. Loria currently serves on the Governor's Social Supports Leaders Advisory Group for the state of Washington and on the board of directors for the Laird Norton Company. She formerly served on the board of directors of TiVo Corporation, Girl Scouts of the USA, Legal Momentum, and Stolen Youth. She was recently honored as a 2021 Women of Influence by the Puget Sound Business Journal and recipient of the 2020 Female Founders Champion Role Model Award. She's also a very proud, shameless mom to three grown daughters. So Loria first came on my radar through some very special mutual friends. And as soon as I heard her name, 
I was like, I need to know more about her. And then what's funny is the universe. And when I say the universe, I mean, social media algorithms have it that all of a sudden she was showing up like in all of my places online. Her name was all these places. I started seeing her on LinkedIn everywhere. So now I've gotten to follow her work for quite some time. And in the process of that started a conversation with her on LinkedIn. And we've had multiple conversations since then via Zoom one time in her car while she was like on a road trip. She was so gracious to schedule a call with me. And (laughs) it's been so much fun getting to know her. But it was also it's just been really fun connecting with her in these very like casual real environments and then to bring her onto the show as a guest has been really really special so you're in for a treat today for sure so listening to hear Loria share her memories during segregation in Virginia and how things are actually not that much different today how her mission to raise her daughters to be world leaders and world changers informed her career the impact of the pandemic on the YMCA as they recognize the importance of supporting families in deeply critical ways the false choice moms were given during the pandemic, what happens in society when affordable childcare is hard or even impossible to access, possible solutions around more affordable childcare, her invitation to young women to move through the world more courageously, the very special way that you can support the mission of the YMCA. Please listen to this invitation. And if you are in a position to be supportive in any way, please take advantage. Like this is your sign. And then lastly, she talks about the unique mission of the YMCA to be more than just a building, but also a movement forwarding communities. This was a special conversation, and I'm so, so honored to welcome Loria Yaden to the Shameless Mom Academy. Please join me in giving her a warm welcome. Listen to this episode, share it out because you are in for a treat. So let's go. Loria, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Oh, I'm so grateful to have you here today. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so pleased to join you. Been waiting for this. this I same. I was just yes. going to say, we spoke months ago. We had such a lovely conversation where you took, you were on vacation and you took a call from your car to have the most generous conversation with me. And I took all these furious notes and then we got into like the nitty gritty of scheduling and, and life yeah. and we're finally here together. And I'm so excited. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Well, so am I. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, yes, of course. So I want to know a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now in this. And we're this is getting released right in this, like the deep heart of holiday season. So yeah. anything you want to share along those lines? Sure. Well, so I'll bridge from my bio. Um, as you'll see in the bio, I lived in corporate America for a really long time as an engineer turned patent attorney and now nonprofit leader. But I'm also a mom. I consider myself to be one of those shameless moms. This is my biggest job. This is my biggest purpose in life as a mom. I'm a mom of three daughters and the youngest is now 21. (laughs) The oldest 27 and they are my heart. And everything I do is for them. As I focus on things that are happening in community and the why, things that are happening nationally, my mind is on how am I living in a way that makes the world better for them? Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I am a woman who is, has always believed that my biggest job is to raise future world leaders. And so, and that drives me, that motivates me, that helps set my North Star every single day. I was born and raised in Virginia, though. So I'm in Seattle now, 
which I've adopted as my new forever home, but I'm originally from the East Coast. And so I have a lot of experiences having grown up on the East Coast in rural Virginia. And I've seen a lot and I've learned a lot, which helps fuel a lot of the work that I do right now for the Y in community. I grew up on a dirt road in conditions that were we're very proud of, very proud people where I'm from, but we didn't have a lot, but we never knew that we didn't have a lot because our parents always ensured that we had what we needed. And it, that upbringing has really influenced how I show up as a leader, as a mom, as a person in community today. So those are a few oh things that I don't it. think they're in my bio, but, and, but just a little bit more about me. I love it. I think these are the things that are so important and significant because these are the things that inform what we do in the world. But no one, like people don't think about like, hmm, how did the house I grow up in inform like the career moves that I made? But it totally matters. And um, did you raise your daughters in rural Virginia or did you, were you out here already? Actually, I did not. After finishing undergraduate at University of Virginia, I went off to New Jersey to work uh, as an engineer. And it was in New Jersey uh, that I actually met my husband, Joseph, and our kids were all born in New Jersey, but I bounced around with my career. We left New Jersey, moved on to the Phoenix, Arizona area for several years. And then after that, we moved here to the Pacific Northwest. And we've been on Mercer Island, Washington, since we've moved here uh, to the Seattle area. Mercer Island is a stark contrast <laughs> to rural Virginia. For it sure. is. It's very different. Look, I'm going to date myself a little bit. But when I was growing up in rural Virginia, the year that I was in first grade was the first year that schools were integrated. Wow. So up until that time, so I remember signs at doctor's offices, you know, signs at water fountains, going to school with my sister. I have an Irish twin who's, I was born on her first birthday. So we're kind of like twins. And I actually went to school with her when she went to school her as a first grader. And I remember all the kids looking like us. (laughs) And then when I went back for my first grade, everybody was different. It was really interesting. So interesting. But so segregation was something I experienced as a kid. I remember the signs. I remember what that was like uh, living in a segregated community. And it's interesting to see how much things have changed, but the same things, how much they have not. So it's a contrast, true, between rural Virginia and Mercer Island, where through programs, through opportunity, my husband and I have come quite a distance from where we were way back when to being able to live here in the Pacific Northwest on Mercer Island. But some of the things that we experienced back in rural Virginia are still very much uh, present in everyday living. I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that's a really important thing for us to not just touch on, but to dig into for just a minute. Cause I think there's, depending on where you live and what you have exposure to, I think that there are some really false senses that like, well, the things that happened in desegregation, like thank God we're past that. And like you said, in a lot of ways, we're not in some of the visible ways we're past it, but in a lot of the, and some visible ways we're not. And in a lot of invisible ways where there is so much rampant 
racism and classism and all the things that can, that were problematic in the sixties and prior are, there's still high levels of things that are just as problematic today and dangerous today. Can you dig into that just a little bit? Uh, Sure. I share this with people. They don't, it takes them a minute to process it, but living on Mercer Island, there were wonderful people all around us. At the same time, I'm very concerned when my husband leaves home every day and when he's coming home, because since we've been living here, my husband has been stopped more than 15 times and never ticketed. He just keeps getting stopped by police. And I'm fearful because things start to escalate with a stop, especially Mm -hmm. with someone who's been stopped many, many times for no reason. And my concern is that one day he's not going to be so calm because he's frustrated that he keeps getting stopped. So it's those types of things that still happen all over. It's, this is not just about Mercer Island. This is about how life is for people of color. And it's not about your education level. It's not even about your economic status. It's because of race. And I don't think people see my husband and want to cause him harm. I don't believe that. But there's some inherent bias mm-hmm. that for some reason, he keeps, keeps getting stopped. And it, this is the point where I, I ask people to really check their bias and ask themselves, why do they call out people of color for certain things and not others who may be doing the exact same thing, right or wrong? It's somehow that the light is, shines brighter on a person of color. And I think we need to really ask ourselves why that's happening and what we do, even more so, what do we do about it? This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. 
This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's personal and it's something that you carry with you every day. And I appreciate you sharing that in a public way here. I think it's really, really important for people to hear the things that we might not see to recognize that this is what exists in our culture still, even though we think like we're quote unquote past all of that. And we're, we're not in so many ways. So I really appreciate you giving such specific personal examples in that clearly your upbringing, how you began your life and especially beginning during segregation, how you've moved across the country and like the difference between the different places that you mentioned living, um, and then raising three girls obviously informs a career. I did an interview one time asking a woman, a pretty prolific writer about how motherhood impacted her career. And she's like, oh, it hasn't. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way that that, <sighs> I was like, can I push you on that a little bit? She's like, no, really it hasn't. And so I, I use that example sometimes when I see such glaring examples in your case of how much our life experiences do inform the work that we do. And yeah. I know the work that you do at the Y there's no way to say that it's not informed by your own life experiences and your mission, as you said, to raise three daughters who are going to be world leaders, world changers. And so can you mm -hmm. talk a bit about how that awareness around and that's that huge sense of responsibility around raising your daughters in that way has informed the work that you do today? Sure. So it's complex. I do understand how you got the response that you got from the one uh, mm -hmm. woman about this not having impacted their careers. Some women have a lot of support. Some women have a family close by. Some women feel very comfortable in the workplace setting boundaries and knowing that they'll be supported. So I see that, but that's not the norm in my experience. I happen not to be in a place where, when I started my career, where I had a lot of family, when I was having raising my kids. I didn't have a lot of family support. My mom, my sisters, my brother are still in the Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland area. And at the time I was in New Jersey. And then when I moved west to Arizona, again, immediate family, siblings, my parents not living in the area, and then moving to the Seattle area, the same thing. And boy, that makes it more difficult because you're really the centerpiece of the care and feeding and development of your children. And I take that to heart. I feel totally responsible for that. And I can't pass that responsibility onto anyone else. I've been very fortunate to have au pairs. I've had nannies. And thank goodness I've had jobs where I could afford that. And I've had a very supportive husband who has his own career and we've worked really, really hard to make it work. For me, though, it's often been, and this has been my decision, it's often been at the sacrifice of myself. I mean, I remember plenty of nights when 
I would go to bed at 3 a.m. because I'm up trying to get everything done, ready for the office the next day. I am making sure that my kids have what they need when they're going to school the next morning. There's a household that needs to be managed. And I would sacrifice self. But that was a personal decision uh, that I made that I, in part because I had to make it because I didn't have these other uh, resources that were readily available to me. But I was very committed to making sure that my family, my children had what they needed. I wasn't perfect at it because in their older age, I even hear now with everything that I did, how it felt like it still wasn't enough. Mm. And so you, even when you're doing your very best, uh, you realize, boy, there's still more that can be done. And so I chalk it up to all you can do is your very best. Mm-hmm. And then you ask for forgiveness for what else you can't do. And you rely upon the universe to come around, flank left and fill yeah. in the gaps. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then ask my daughters to be better than me. Mm, yeah. And hopefully nothing that I missed will shortchange them in their lives and their careers in the future. But I'm so glad that I was able to have the balance of career and family. The only piece that I wish I would have balanced a little bit more into the equation was myself. Mm. That's important. That's important. That piece is really important. Yeah. Oh, it is. Especially as I try to be the example for my daughters. Yeah. 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 Thank you for saying that. Cause I think that piece is really important and it's so often the piece that's overlooked. And I want to tie this to kind of where we're at current day, that there hasn't been space for that in what we've been through as women and moms over the last few years. And so when we look at how the workforce has disproportionately impacted moms, the amount of stress upon stress upon stress to be raising children under really challenging conditions doesn't leave time for like, oh, and now I'm also going to start a new hobby. (laughs) Um, So I would love to talk a little bit about what you've seen in the workforce as a result of the pandemic and the impact on so many women and moms specifically. And we've had, you know, early in the pandemic, we had this mass exodus and now we're in this position of layoffs and like, there's so many layers to this. Can you dig into that a bit? Yeah. So it's interesting. And this was more present with me not because of my own kids, my kids, I'm far beyond uh, child rearing where I needed child care. But as the president and CEO of the YMCA of Greater Seattle, which at the time had more than 60 child care sites and early learning sites, to have changes happening through government mandates, offices being closed, schools being closed, the Y immediately realized that we had to be there to offer childcare, at least for emergency workers, first responders, because we needed those folk to be working to care for people yeah. who were falling ill from this disease and just needed you know, general care. And what we realized is just how many women were being impacted by these closures. Doctors, nurses, first responders, yes, but also many of them didn't have the opportunity to have their kids stay in childcare. They had to be home. Many of them had to work from home while caring for their kids. Others who were on the front lines didn't have a lot of options to take care of their kids. So even my childcare workers, I mean, we did the best we could to allow them to bring their kids to work, you know, while they're caring for the kids of others. But many childcare centers were closed And the options that people had close to home were suddenly 
gone. So it was a very difficult situation and it resulted in many women having to make the, what I consider to be the false choice between continuing to work and being home with their kids. So as a result, we saw a lot of women leaving the workplace because they could not do both. They had to be home to care uh, for their children. There was no other option for their children. And as a result, they are as we transition back, things reopen, schools reopen, we've seen moms slower to return to the workplace. And then you have to ask, well, return to what? I mean, things are really different in the workplace, even Mm -hmm. from what they were pre-pandemic. And now as, and oh, by the way, let's not forget the fact that part of the reason that it's more women who families decide to stay home with the kids is because women are making less, even if they have the very same job that they're that their husband does, because women generally make less, even with roles that are equal, even if time of service is equal, women tend to make a lot less. So it's not a very difficult economic decision for the family to figure out, well, whose salary are we going to give up for the sake of caring for our children? So now as we reopen and now start to see these layoffs, well, women who've come back and are now the first on the list to be let go because their history they haven't is been short. back very long. They haven't right, been right. back. So you've been there long. for like you've been back for six months, twelve months, and then there's all the guys who never left. They've been there for six years. Yes. Layoffs are gonna the pipeline of layoffs is gonna disproportionately impact moms then. Exactly. But you then back to the same decision. As things shift and change, well, who's going to kind of anchor things at home with the family? And just, I mean, families are just trying to figure this out. And the economics make it pretty clear in a lot of cases that women, and they'll gladly do it because it's their family. They feel about their families like I feel about mine. I'd do anything for my family. But give us better choices. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Women should have better choices. Families should have better choices that don't always result in women having to give up their careers. Yeah. That's what I'm hopeful for going forward. Yes. 100%. I want to talk about affordable childcare and accessibility to childcare at all, let alone affordable childcare. And here in Seattle, I mean, childcare is astronomical because we have big tech and we have, you know, it's like a supply and demand thing. Like people can charge whatever they want. So you're paying like private school tuition to get your kid into childcare, but which I'm laughing and it's not funny. It's a really big issue around accessibility. Can you talk about what happens in society when affordable childcare is hard or even impossible to, to access? Yeah. So let's bridge from the pandemic. A large percentage of childcare centers closed after the pandemic and many have never reopened. And that means that the demand for childcare, the supply of childcare is significantly less than the demand, even more so than pre-pandemic. Let's be clear. This was a problem pre-pandemic. This is not a pandemic only problem. This is a situation that was exacerbated by the pandemic. And so now we're in a state where there's much less childcare. And if it's available, it's further away from home. So families are having to deal with accessing childcare that's it and even greater demand that's further from home, which is more inconvenient and difficult for families to manage. And the subsidies for underserved families, 
the subsidy rates are still very, very low. And it just doesn't allow the child care providers to afford uh, to be able to provide the care that families need and to stay open and operate. So we have this quandary. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult for the child care centers to hire workers, which are primarily women. It's difficult for new child care centers to open, which are primarily owned by women, because licensing right now takes a long, long time. And so it's a vicious cycle. Since you have all these barriers to having child care centers to begin with, then it makes it more difficult for the families to have child care closer to home, which results in women having to bear the brunt of providing that care within the family. So to me, it's a vicious cycle. And at every point in the cycle, families lose and moms lose. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, how do we break that? How do we break that vicious cycle? I know that was my question. I'm like, what's the solution? Tell us. What's the solution? I have a couple ideas. Oh, good. Um, I'm excited. This is the good stuff. Yeah. I think the first thing, and I think we've made some progress, you know, thanks to our legislators in the state of Washington and also nationally. Patty Murray is a big proponent of supports for childcare. And I think that's really important. But I think we have to make the big leap to have what our subsidies are being paid to be enough to really cover the cost of the care. Yeah. That's a big, right now, it's still low. It's still way below uh, what's needed to actually provide the care. If childcare providers can get the right subsidy rates, then that's a big help to allow them to pay a living wage to childcare providers who are largely women. Who and are if you, working their buns off. Like they are. The, the work that people do when they are serving kids zero to five That is intense and critical. Like I'm so incredibly grateful for the care that my child had during that time. And it is, we could do a whole nother episode on like how undervalued the people who do that work are. Absolutely. So, and there are men too. We have some Mm -hmm. wonderful men who are working in childcare at the Y, but overwhelmingly there are women who are working in childcare. And by the way, in order to work in early education, they have to be degreed. They have to be certified. They have unbelievable credentials, but the rates are still too low when you talk about professionals who are training up our future leaders. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to improve those salaries sustainably, keeping in mind that when something goes wrong, like when a pandemic hits, these workers stay on the front line and they're there no matter what, just like they were in 2020. We owe them that stability. We owe them that living wage so that they can grow in their careers as childcare providers, as early learning teachers, and so that they can also take care of their own families. Yeah. So it starts with the compensation, the training, the career pathing, all of that's important. When I think about the work and I want, I'm going to invite you to fill in the gaps for me. When I think about the work that the Y is doing, there's these three layers that I see, and there might be other ones as well, where I see that you're taking care of children and you're creating this environment to support children and becoming future leaders. And then you are also putting childcare providers in leadership positions to support molding these children and create a great working environment for them. Then you're also allowing the parents of the children who are in care to go and go after whatever career paths and tracks that they want and hopefully be building those over time. 
there's so much in there. Like there's so much goodness and hope in there. And there's, you're building and cultivating these like three kind of separate systems. Am I missing any gaps in the work that you're doing? And is there anything in there that you want people to know about like these three different components that I'm seeing and like this massive contribution to society where that makes all three really important? Yeah. You know, the one thing I think is really important is we need to be there for families and helping to care for their children, but it's in partnership with the families. We're not a substitute. We're not a surrogate. The work that we do is hand in hand with the caregivers the parents. And by the way, there are lots of grandparents who are taking care of their grandkids right now as the primary care provider. So it's so important for us to have that relationship partnership uh, with the families. And while we're caring for the kids, we need to care for the families too. Whatever the parents, the caregivers are going through, it rolls downhill to the kids. So Mm -hmm. we pride ourselves in providing a place where a place of belonging a safe place of a welcoming place where families can come together in the YMCA and everybody can get what they need. So we have a place where, you know, parents can come, they can work out, take care of their physical health while they're taking care of their physical health. We have a kid zone where they can drop off their kids, not to worry. We'll take care of the kids while they focus on themselves. That's really important. We need, in order to have healthy kids, we need more than babysitters. The why is much more than babysitters. We have childcare providers, we have teachers, but we also have the curriculum, the supports for the family, because it is a family affair. It's the why, the young people and their families working together so that everybody gets what they need. They can be wholly healthy and happy, and we can all look forward uh, with hope to the future. Oh my gosh, I love that answer. Can you talk about any predictions that you have for the future of women and moms in the workplace as we roll into 2023, which feels like it's just another year of uncertainty. Like it feels like we're really owed a year of certainty at some point, but here we are. Do you have any predictions for us? I hate to be a cynic, but the only certainty is change. Mm, Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I embrace it. Because I'm hopeful that things will change for the better. But that long arc that we talk about bending towards justice and and towards the change that we need, it doesn't just happen on its own. It happens because we decide it's going to happen and we bend that arc. So I'm hopeful that we're stepping into a time when women are stepping into their power and they're claiming it. And they're standing with resolve and conviction for the things that women deserve. They deserve equality. They deserve, and, you know, we ask for equity until equality comes. We have to bend the arc towards women being treated fairly, equitably, and women's true women's equality. And I think we're in that phase, and I'm so excited when I see the energy of our young people. Yes. How they came out to vote. Yes. A week and a half ago, which made the difference. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's so important that women, young Young single women, young single women are like, they're running the Senate. Like they voted in the Senate. There you go. And they're raising their voices. And it makes me hopeful 
So I'm hopeful for the change that's coming. I'm not lamenting over more change. We need more change. Yeah. But we have to create the change we want. Yeah. And I think the change we want is locked in the minds and the hearts of our young people, especially our young women. And I would encourage them to be courageous and really reach for what they want their futures to be, not just for themselves, but for their children and their children's children. That's so important. I honestly will say my generation, we kind of did okay, but we didn't do, we weren't as courageous as we needed to be, Mm -hmm. which is why in part we are where we are. Mm -hmm. My ask of the generations following us is to be courageous, reach for what you want and be relentless about it. Oh, I love that. And I think that's such a great invitation. You're really talking about legacy, building legacy, and what does one generation leave for the next? Can you talk a bit about your mission as CEO of the Y to build a legacy in the community that you serve and you serve it with such intention and grace? Can you share that piece with us a bit? Yes. Boy, the best laid plans. Where does it take you? I must say, I'll never know because my career has never been a plan. I think the universe has had its hand at my back, guiding me to where I'm supposed to be. And that's how I essentially came to the why. I've never had a dream of being the CEO of a nonprofit, but here I am. And I feel like I've come home to where I'm supposed to be because there's something I'm supposed to do to help people and to help be that beacon of hope for what community can be. We're in such a divided time and we're in a time and place where critical chronic illnesses, for example, and a political divide and hate are all consuming. When there's so much goodness among us, there's so much goodness. And often the headlines are subsumed by all of those negative things I just mentioned. I would love for us to bring the goodness of community, community caring for community to be the headline and to be what motivates us to create the, and to build on the community that we want. And we do that through looking at uh, the least of us and figuring out how we lock arms and help the least of us. I think it's us looking at each other and just seeing each other's humanity and being intentional about working together to remove these things that divide us and to decide that we're gonna go forward together with this rich fabric that we have in our community. Lots of different ethnicities, gender identities, educational backgrounds, economic status. We're still just people and we all want happy, healthy futures. So how do we set all this other stuff aside and come together and help each other to be healthy, to be happy, to build communities that that all of us want to live in for the sake of our children and our children's children? That's what I would love to at least have that air, kind of the air we breathe every day through the way the why shows up in community. And we are throughout this community and that's how we're working on showing up and we're inviting, inviting others to walk alongside of us in that way. And it parlays into those who need job supports, getting job support. Those who need chronic illness support, having that. Those who need childcare will have that. Those who want to take their kids to camp, get into the outdoors, really benefit from the great outdoors. They will have access to that. 
those who want to have conversations with others who don't look like them in a very comfortable space will be able to do that. All of that. I didn't mention Swim and Gym one time. And that's what people normally think <laughs> I about. Know, I was going to say, that's what people probably thought. They thought we were going to talk about that the whole time. Yeah, right. yeah. But, you know, the why is more than buildings. Yeah. The why is a movement of community caring about community. And a lot of great things will spring from that if we all show up as a community for one another. That's what anchors the work. Yeah, you can get swim lessons. You can get personal training. You can even ride a Peloton if you come to a Y right now. Yes, you can send your kids to camp, but you can also find a welcoming place of belonging where you can connect with your neighbors, where you can support your community, where you can walk alongside of others who want just the best for community. That's the legacy we're building. We're building on, I should say. This has always been the heartbeat of this organization now for over 146 years. Mm. Now we are ensuring that it is present in community for everyone, everyone, independent of your immigration status, independent of you know, where you're born, independent of your gender identity, your race, your economic status. All of us want the same thing, healthy, happy, all of us having our humanity recognized. Oh my goodness, so powerful. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately based on an experience that I had recently is how the person with the most power in the room treats the person with the least power in the room. And I think that that is such an indicator of integrity in a person, how a leader and leader can mean so many different things. So how a leader or a person who has more power than someone else just shows up in that power dynamic. And we're in the situation as we close out 2022 to look at what are the things that I can do with the resources that I have, the privilege that I have, the power that I have that maybe others don't have. What can I do with that in order to give, serve, share, provide. And I know that you have a really great campaign going on for the month of December in the Y. And so could you share that for those of us who are like, I want to make sure that I'm doing more with my giving before the end of the year and being conscientious, especially around supporting. I mean, supporting the Y is like so hundred percent in line with everything that we do in the Shameless Mom Academy, that this is a really natural fit for us. So can you share how we can support um, this campaign? Yes. Thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about this. Before I do that, I just want to say this, this concept of power, we all have it. Mm -hmm. No matter where we sit, no matter our circumstance, we just have to embrace it and own it and not let anybody take it away. Mm, Thank you for that. So own your power and everybody can contribute to community being better. Everybody in some way, and it all matters. So thank you for that opportunity to share a little bit about this campaign that we have ongoing. You know, people don't realize that the YMCA is a 501c3. We are a nonprofit organization and we give over $12 million a year in financial aid to allow those who can't afford to get services from the Y to still have access to those services. We pride ourselves in that. We're accessible to everyone. One area where we have been less accessible is in the area of camp. And this is really important because if you read the scientific literature on the health benefits of being in the outdoors, it's amazing. It's just over the top positive. If we can get people closer to nature in the outdoors, the health benefits are just tremendous. We have two camps, one on Orcas Island and one down in uh, Key Peninsula. And every year 
those camps, the registration will close out early in the year because of capacity constraints. And then we take long wait lists. And we often cannot take all the kids off those wait lists, which is disappointing to us because these, these health benefits are so important. So we made the decision to buy um, land in Lewis County, near Mount Rainier, around Mineral Lake. And we purchased 500 acres of land in 2021 to build our first new camp in 100 years to address this capacity limitation and to create an open space where families can really come and relax, enjoy nature and be together. We're in the process of purchasing the remaining 1600 acres. And this is for generations to come, to be able to manage this land. It is land that is uh, claimed by the Nisqually's, uh, Nisqually Indian tribe is their native land. And they have been walking alongside of us in this work. We would love it if community would walk alongside of us. We have until January the 11th to raise the funds to buy the remaining 1,600 acres. And we would love it if your listeners are inclined to join us. This is important. Now, we won't build on all this land. Part of our focus is on conservation and preservation. This has a climate focus to it. It's heavily wooded. We'd love to preserve it for the future, for nature, for conservation, for preservation. So we would welcome the Shameless Mom community to walk beside us in this project. And we'd be happy to share more information so that you could share it with your listeners. Yeah. So what we'll do, and thank you for that background information and sharing what this campaign is all about and also how significant it is. I think that many of our listeners have kids who've benefited from going to summer camps and or have been to camp themselves and recognize like how important that is. My son is just getting to the age where he's interested in sleepaway camp. And it's so interesting to me listening to friends talk through and myself talking through like, oh, remember like just what a significant time that was and how life-changing it was and the impact of like going and doing this thing and being in nature for a week or two weeks or whatever it was, building friendships and building independence and building new skill sets. And it's really significant has really significant impact on a child's life. And you're absolutely right that these kinds of things fill up immediately. And it's typically kids with the most privileged and financial access that get are the ones who get in there. Um, So I just so appreciate, I think this mission is so critically important. So we will link up in the show notes, how people can give, are there any links that you want to like shout out, or do you want to just point people to the show notes and we'll, we'll, we can post some links there. Yes. If you go to our website at seattleyfca.org and just type in Mineral Lake, you will get lots of information about this project as well as other projects. I hope that some of your listeners are have been tied to our other camps. We're trying to do some things at these other camps as well. So there's something what are the in the names camping of what, space. Can you, can you name your other camp, your, the names of the other sure. camps? For- sure. The other camp, uh, which is on Orcas Island, is called Camp Orkyla. Okay. I thought it was Orkyla. I couldn't remember. Yes. I, I'm, I'm familiar with Orkyla, but I couldn't remember if it was a Y camp. Okay. Yes. And we have an expansion project there as well. And the third camp, well, the second current camp will be camp number three is Camp Coleman uh, down on uh, Key Peninsula. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. And this is so funny. I'm just in a parent group um, with Seattle parents and they were literally... <laughs> 
like, hey, who sent their kids to Camp Rokhila versus Camp Coleman? Pros, cons, favorites. Like there was this huge thread. And speaking of like Camp Legacy, it was all these parents who were like, oh, I went to this one and now I'm sending my kid to this one. And it was like, it was like all this validity of like validating and affirming the value of camp. I want to also point out that this doesn't, you know, we have listeners all over the world. So if you are not local to Seattle, you can absolutely still give if this is something that's meaningful to you. I also want to point out that when we're looking at end of year, there can be tax benefits end of year to giving to nonprofits. And so just keeping all those things in mind, the last thing I want to say is keeping in mind as we're gathering for the holidays and feeling often a sense of abundance, just keeping in mind, like, what do we want to do when we have that sense of abundance? Do we want to share that with others in the ways that we can and the ways that are, that we either have access to or the ways that feel most meaningful to us. So, oh my goodness, Loria, thank you for this. We'll link up the why in the show notes so people can just go in and pop in mineral lake for the search inside of the seattleymca.org site. From there, can you tell us what, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom are always our closing question. Yeah. I tell my truth. Some of my experiences are difficult to talk about and it's difficult, especially when you know that some people may feel uncomfortable, but I learned that the truth and uh, sharing it with compassion and with empathy to those who are listening is so important. And especially when it comes to my daughter's just sharing my truth with my daughters is being a shameless mom. It's not always easy. Has not always been easy. <laughs> Definitely not. And to have the courage to, to share that with them. I think we try to shield our kids and we try to make it appear like we have all the pieces together. And I think we do community and the women coming after us a, a huge disservice. I think we need to tell them the truth. And so that's how I show up as a shameless, shameless mom who happens to have a career has learned a little bit about how to integrate it all and just tell the truth. I love that so much. Thank you. And thank you for being such a truth teller in this conversation in so many different ways. Loria, thank you. Thank you for your time and just being so generous today in terms of what you shared and all of the things that you allowed us to walk through with you in this conversation. I'm so grateful that you were here. Come back anytime. The door is always open and keep doing the work that you're doing. It has so much meaning in the world. And I know you really touched a lot of our listeners today. Thank you, Sarah. And I look forward to seeing you at the Y and your kids at camp. So yes, we're looking forward yes, to that. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. My son's, one of my son's best friends went to Orkyla last summer and was like, Vinny needs to come next summer. So awesome. We look forward to having Vinny next summer. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.